Welcome, everybody, to another wonderful episode of Podcasts and Players. Today, I have a, not a new animator, but new to me, uh, someone who has been making D&D animations for a little while now. You can actually find them right now. The newest one just dropped. Please give it up for Zania Mania. Zanianator! <laughs> Hi! Oh, my God. <laughs> Zania Mania. You should have. You should have went with that, I think. I know. My friend came up with that too late. I got so pissed. (laughs) But here we are. Zanianator. That's me. That's you. Uh, Let's let's kind of start with like who you are. Uh, What exactly besides animations? uh, You're an artist in general. Why don't you kind of tell everybody sort of what you're about in regards to that oh lord um well i know i do a lot of digital now but i still consider myself a pretty heavy traditional artist i'm always sketching something i love my brush pens like oh gorgeous if i could just put that on the internet and let it slide like i would do that forever (laughs) (laughs) um but I'm a little bit of everything. I'm an animator. I'm a storyboard artist, a voice actor, like all that jazz. I even do uh, character and creature design. Hell yeah. So we're going to dive into that a little bit because mm-hmm. I've had a lot of artists on on my podcast talking about just sort of their process and stuff. And I always love to kind of dive in and, and figure it out uh, from the other person's perspective. But So let's start with the beginning. You got into art. Why'd you get into art? Oh, Lord. I've actually been into art for as long as I can remember. I'm one of those stereotypical art kids that's like, oh, as soon as you hold a pencil. But it was like, there was never any like, like kind of doubt about it. It was kind of, hey, do you want to be an animator or do you want to be the Red Red Power Ranger? And I was like, hmm, I guess animator is kind of like closer, (laughs) like more achievable. (laughs) But yeah, I... I've always loved doing art and I started, uh, what's the word? I, I, it was actually like at a summer camp. They had like a one week program for animation and I was about maybe 10 cause I had just moved to, to the town I'm in now. And I don't know, they, they had nothing but light tables and paper and it was, it was very fun. And for some reason it just clicked very naturally. Like, you know, they give you the the ball bounce test and everything or the the sack of flour. I was one of those kids. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, I finished this in five minutes. What else you got for me? And they'd be like, oh, my God, can you try this? Can you try that? So animation is just something that's always like clicked really fast. So I've I've stuck to it ever since I uh, I learned from that camp, but I mostly am self-taught. Many of us fall under that umbrella for sure. I similarly was an art kid growing up. I would just, uh, I tried to draw like cartoons in similar style to the Simpsons with the weird overbite. Um, mm-hmm. And that wasn't really doing well for me. And then, uh, you know, the discovery of anime was good. But I never drew really anime type stuff because like I was embarrassed. Oh, no, you took the coward's route. Oh, you poor baby. I was a coward all the way. So if one, I only ever drew men. Mm-hmm. Uh, I never drew women because I didn't want anyone to know that I would uh, draw a butt or a booba. And uh, two, I always drew like 
I tried to be as like either realistic or as like DB like DBZ was close. Mm-hmm. Like I could do I could get a bit closer to that physique wise, but face wise I tried to be like more realism. Um Oh, that's and valid. Then eventually I just got so cartoony. I started I kind of fell away from that and I got very cartoony and it was my art style became very ugly, <laughs> like very detailed, but like Meat Canyon ugly. And no. then, um, mm-hmm. and then uh, lately I've like I've refined it and kind of gotten into this sort of I'm starting to like take all these different influences and marry them together. I'm wondering for you, how, how would you say like your style has evolved over time? Oh, man, that's a that's hard because. I started off like obviously in cartoons, like everybody's like, oh, the Smurfs or this or that, or that was the big thing when I was little. Now I'm now I'm just dating myself. Oh, Jesus. But <laughs> <laughs> um, so I kind of started off like there, you know, with the big eyes and everything. And then that evolved into anime because I fell in love with Naruto and I was like, oh, this show is the best thing ever. Nothing could ever beat this. Naruto. Naruto. That was one of my well, one of my first an- animes, because I should say I, I started a little on the little more violent side of anime, but we're not going to get into that. Uh, <laughs> so it kind of went from cartoony to Naruto. And then I got really into my little pony. I, I actually don't know if you've, you found this, but uh, for a while I was in like, I was part like a big part of the, my little pony community. So I drew ponies I, a lot. <laughs> you know what? I have not discovered this in my extensive research. Uh, <laughs> I'm being sarcastic as in I don't I didn't do too extensive of research. So mm-hmm. tell me more about that. I want to know how you were part of the MLP community. <laughs> OK, so. Um, how do I explain this in the least cringy way? <laughs> so my whole friend group, the one that I'm that I'm writing my D&D st- uh, series about, not only did we start in ponies, we started in Homestuck ponies. No. Yeah. No, yeah. Please, yeah. Yeah. So. yeah. 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 Do, hey. Hey. You're listen. a homestucker. <laughs> I was okay. I was there from day one. I dropped off oh. a little bit, and then when it started picking up steam again, I was like, "Oh, isn't that that web comic I tried one time?" Because I knew of Hussy stuff beforehand, you know, like Jailbreak and everything. So I was like, "Oh, I like his stuff. Like, why don't I try it again?" And what I did try <laughs> that was apparently when the Hitalia and Homestuck War started. And I didn't know about that because I wasn't as proficient on the internet. So when I told my friends, I was kicked out of my anime friend group and I was like, oh, I'm all alone. So I decided to turn more towards Homestuck because I was like, well, what do I do? <laughs> and looking back now, it's really funny because that's how I met my DM. Like I knew I knew a Fleece player beforehand. Like I knew her from other Ask accounts and everything. That's how we all kind of started. but. Uh, I met I met them through basically Homestuck ponies and we all just kind of vibed. And at the time I was really I was like really closed off because my moms are very uh, Internet conscious, let's say. So mm. they spooked me a lot out of a lot of shit. So they're like, hey, you want to you want to get on Skype? You want to talk to us? You want to talk to a stranger? And I'm like, I don't want to get stolen. <laughs> <laughs> So we our start ended up from Homestuck Ponies into Skype and then it all kind of snowballed into something bigger because like obviously we had the connection of ponies we had the connection of Homestuck and 
we were doing role plays and hanging out. And that was nearly like 11 years ago, I want to say. But in that time, yeah, but but in that time, like uh, uh, Flea's Flea's player, she actually ran a big pony blog on Tumblr. It was Ask Opalescent Pearl. And she was like, oh, man, like, you got to get your art more out there. Like, you got to practice. You got to try. Because, you know, I I was a traditional artist, but I was trying to get into digital because it's like, well, fuck, nobody's going to give me favorites on on this traditional piece. And they're not really vibing with the other stuff. Like, I guess this is all the Internet wants at the time. So she's like, you got to try it. And <laughs> I'm well known because out of all the things, you know, it's it's very easy in the My Little Pony fandom. You just you make a pony. You make a little blog, everybody loves it, right? So it's like, oh, boom, the logic is make a pony. I made a blog called Ask Dolly, and it was about a little donkey that thought she was a pony. <laughs> she was baby. I ha- She has, like, the account's still up and everything. But um, I was in the Tumblr Pwn community. I'm looking this up right now. What is it called? <laughs> ask-, ask Dolly? Yeah, it's Ask Dolly. So it's ask, and then you put the little dash, and then Dolly. She's on Tumblr. I'm not even ashamed of it. That she's my baby. I got a little stuffed, like a stuffed animal commission. She good. There is a. There is. I'm sorry to tell you, but there is a person on YouTube named Dolly Manghat who oh. uh, has an Ask Dolly series that has now overtaken your your search results. Oh no, my heart. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Damn. Uh, I will also say that this is all very much like foreign to me like i don't know i've never watched an episode of my little pony the only thing i've ever seen is max g's series where that was spoofed it mm-hmm. I'm, I'm assuming you're aware of it because he oh yeah was yeah yeah no i, I loved this that. stuff at the time yeah at Tumblr, the time <laughs> maybe if I ask dolly on ask Tumblr. okay oh my gosh hey that's cute that's my baby i never got to finish her story i feel really bad about I've considered it a few times, like just jumping back just for me and taking off the ask stuff, like just because I don't know. I I always thought it was a fun story, but you know that's where I was for years. Like I didn't stop until because I I started sometime in high school, and then I want to say I stopped around like sophomore sophomore year, junior year of college, because what's it called? Basically. the program got really intense and it was like, oh, I can't, I can't split time between doing my worst enemy, which is coloring and then doing my even worse enemy, which is breaking down my process so slow that the teacher sees what I'm doing. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So it slowed down. I never really, I never really took an official hiatus, but you know, it, stuff happens and I kind of had to float away, but I still keep in touch with like the community. Like I still have tons of friends that have like, Stop doing their blogs, obviously, but they we still talk. We still talk about ponies like it's cute. That is that is cute. I I find it interesting. I never really got into that. I think I was put off by the brony stigma. Uh, And then similarly (laughs) with Homestuck. I I had a friend who said you got to read it and I tried reading it and John is so goddamn boring. I'm like I can't. This is just too much. I don't have time to sit through his boring first arc to get to whatever the good stuff later on is supposed to be. It was like this just isn't appealing to me. 
But then I thought maybe maybe when mm-hmm. I went to like Gen Con in 2015, I remember I was like standing on the second floor of like the convention center and I saw mm-hmm. some homestuckers. They had the gray paint on their skin and the orange horns. Yeah. And I was like, maybe I could ask them to sell me on Homestuck. And then I thought about that interaction and I immediately was like, no, 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 no. Perish the thought. That's not oh. happening. And I walked the other oh. direction. I was like, I don't know. Something about it. Like, I don't, I want to be clear. I'm not trying to shame anyone for liking those things specifically. Like, I, I was really into things. No, that, it's okay. We, we shame ourselves. I mean, I, I was really into, like, Steven Universe. I was really into a lot of, like, Cartoon Network and Disney Channel cartoons. Like, I really like a lot of them um amphibia Mm -hmm. just finished that's really good i've been watching owl house that's awesome so like i still gotta start those i feel so bad they're they're great you would love them i think Mm -hmm. they're all like i i i'm very loud and proud about the cartoons that i like it's just sometimes you just fight you you see something and you get a sense of like that's not for me you know what i mean Mm -hmm. which is valid i mean like not everybody's going to be into Homestucker ponies. I I should know that very well. <laughs> At least with My Little Pony, like you could just sit down and watch that. Homestuck is a, a commitment. That like is you got to sit down and read and read and read that whole thing. And like I just don't I don't have the time for that. <laughs> Which fair, very fair. By now, um, I don't know if a lot of people know this. Uh, this the website's actually super broken. Because at, at the time, um, Hussey actually did a bunch of Flash animation. Mm-hmm. And the entire site is basically Flash-based. So a lot of shit doesn't have sound or he hasn't been able to recover the archives and everything. There is one specific person. I, I, I wish I remember who did this. But they basically downloaded the entire website. You could download it now. I have it on my, my hard drive and everything. And yeah, you could look at the old forums. You could see all of like Toby Fox's stuff. You could see, uh, oh, I, I don't know if I'll, I'll fill in the blanks there. Toby Fox, br- brave Undertale man, was actually a huge homestuck and best friend. Well, not best friend, but like you know, friends with Hussy. So like, there's actual there's actual evidence. To, like, hey, I lived in Hussy's basement while I was making Homestuck. I mean, <laughs> while I was making Undertale. So it's like, haha, Homestuck is in everything, which is true. But basically, there's there's this guy that downloaded everything, including the old like the old, old videos. And it's kind of like a pop up window where you could actually flip through the site and read everything. So if anybody in the future wants to do that, I would highly recommend looking into that because I think it's it's fairly easy to Google. It might be like on a Tumblr account or something. But I understand with the commitment part. Yeah, yeah. But hear me out. Yeah, hear, hear me out. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> hear me out, hear me out. I think it's less of a commitment and more of an experience, which sounds super fucking cheesy, I know, but it's... Yes, John. John's act, very boring. But would you believe me if I said the very first act, which is like around a thousand-something pages, let's say, and then it's got a few animations in there, would you believe me if I told you that Hussey updated this stuff within a year like the very first act of homestuck all of that in one year and then from there boom i think the next year was like act two and three and then from there we got we started getting pauses and everything and getting obviously a bigger community and stuff i i do feel like homestuck's not for everybody 
but I do. I also feel like if you if you want to get into home stuff, you want to understand the narrative style. Let's say I would actually go back and read specifically um, Hussey's other work, like right before that, which is Jailbreak. It's kind of like Homestuck, but like basically half the size. And it's got sleuths, like like actual detective sleuths. Everybody loves that shit. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I would say like try and warm yourself up to that and then try it. For me, I also feel like Homestuck is in a very special bubble where it's like it has very very dated references, but stuff that like if you lived in that specific time period, if you were t- specifically a teenager around the same age as as those kids, like you kind of feel that magic even later where it's like, oh, I remember I remember when Barack did this. I remember when when everybody was talking about juggalos and everything (laughs) like (laughs) it all it all encompasses into that. It's a lot more fun with friends or with people who have read it before. And then you tell them stuff and you're like, oh, yeah, like, don't worry about it. You'll understand later kind of thing. But it's it's a very fun experience overall. I, I would I would recommend it. I appreciate you for sharing that, that it seems like. You're right. It's definitely of an of its time experience. Mm-hmm. And there's a magic to that, especially when it's like new and updating. And yeah, and there's like a community around it. And everyone's like, what's going to happen next? Like I, that, I definitely feel like there's a lot of stuff that, you know, as it's like happening, build these sort of like incredible fan bases. And I think there is something about the Homestuck like art style mm-hmm. that is like i mean it's pixely pixelarty um and but at the same time it's like to me even though it, it it's primarily like early aughts or no no, no mm-hmm. not aughts teens would be there it would be like early 2010s it, it started fe- in 2009 actually it feels mm-hmm. yeah it, even at 2009 it feels like it takes place in 2000 Almost like yeah. it feels very like nostalgic, even of when it was being released in a way. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> That's just how it rolls. I don't know. I I won't ramble more on Homestuck. I know people don't really like no, Homestuck. No worries. No worries. <laughs> I do want to I do want to bring us back to art style because you said, OK, so you did oh, yeah, the yeah. MLP ponies. <laughs> mm-hmm. I did that for years. And then obviously uh, Gen 4 ended. So then it's like, well, shit, what am I going to do? Because after that, like, yeah, everybody's riding on, like, the tail end of, of Pony. So it's like, okay, this could last for a little bit longer. But obviously, I didn't have a big internet presence. I didn't really have much of anything. Because in school, they they tell you, um, don't put anything original online. Like, don't do anything online, basically. And you're like, well, fuck, what, what the fuck else am I supposed to do? So I can't, really? Yeah. That's a huge thing in, in specifically art colleges and even in, in the art department of community colleges. Cause I went, I went from back and forth between both. Uh, but that's a huge thing. The reason why a lot of artists don't post stuff online is because they're told not to, which reasonable. Anybody can steal the idea online and then you can't necessarily, well, you could kind of prove first creator rights and everything, but it's very hard to get that kind of stuff back. Like as soon as it's pitched, it's gone. You can't have it anymore because somebody just stole your idea. And that's rough. Oh, I see. Yeah, that's super rough on people. But they they scare people so severely in school about it 
that you don't do anything. Like, yeah, you're, you're passionate about your ponies or your anime or this or that. And it feels awesome. And it feels great to build up a, a community based off that. But, it, you know, for a long time, I was really scared of putting out even even my D&D story. That took me years. Damn, I I never experienced that. Uh, I didn't go to art college or anything like that. Like, mm-hmm. and I'll, I think I'm a little older than you. So, like, during my time, people were just excited to post anything on like DeviantArt, like whatever mm-hmm. you could, just get it out there. And I had trouble being consistent. So, really, the only reason I didn't have more stuff out was that I just was lazy and playing video games. <laughs> And not because I had all these great ideas I was scared to post. So I feel like you you already have like this wellspring to pull from, which is pretty cool. Yeah, no, it's it's fun. I I I went on this tangent because basically I went from ponies immediately into D D. Because like like I said, in college, uh that's kind of when I stopped doing Dolly. But at the same time, I, I had never played D&D before, but there was this great club, which was called D3. It was short for Dungeons and Dragons and Diversity. And they they were really, which I didn't know about this going in, but they were like, oh, yeah, D&D is very. Uh... OK, sorry for the wording. It's very white. <laughs> D- yeah. Yeah. They were like, OK. Yeah, no, nah, no argument there. Yeah, it's very white. It's very male based. It's very da 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 da. So they took that and they were like, OK. We're a bunch of POC people. We have we have like a lot of uh, LGBT folks here and everything. Let's go ahead and make a club where we actively include all of that. So it's like okay. And the person that would that would later become my roommate in college, uh, they were like, "Hey, like you know, have have you tried D and D? Have you this? Have you that?" And I'm like, "Well, like I've heard about it in movies. Like I've always wanted to try." But then, you know, people are like, ah, that's that nerd shit. And it's like, well, I'm already a nerd. I don't want to be more of a nerd. And they're like, okay, try it, try it, try it. So I I went to this club and by by the end of session one, I was hooked. I couldn't stop. I was I was there dedicated every other week for um, for our sessions and we were having fun. Eventually, I found out our our current DM, uh, the one that's that's running all this, they were like, "Oh, I've been playing D anD D for years." It's like, what? So <laughs> I kind of <laughs> I kind of took him by the shoulders, and I was like, "Oh my god, can we please convince the others to play? Like, we have to play." And, <laughs> and I, you know, I'm I feel like, a new hyperfixation coming on. <laughs> exactly. So so Vasira's player, she was like, oh, "I could do it." Flea's player was like, "No, I don't want to do anything because she's very stubborn." So, she, you know, she did this with with Homestuck. She did this with The Walking Dead. She did this with everything. So we're like, OK, how are we going to warm you up? What have we done for years? Let's do a text based role play. See how you feel about it and consider that session zero. And then we'll jump into this and see how you feel. And then similar, similar to me, basically, Flea was hooked after the first session. And we started yep. we started just going at it from there like every single week. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it, it oftentimes I've noticed people when that when I'm like, how did you start with D&D? They're like, well, I heard about it, but I'm like, that's too nerdy for me. And I'm like, man, why do we always think that at first? And then we play it and we're like, this is my life now. <laughs> <laughs> this is my everything. I'm never going to see my family on the weekends yeah, again. <laughs> like, 
I've never I have never been more a fan of anything more than like D&D, like discovering that in college. And then I never I never thought I would stick with it this long. Right. Everything else in my life has been transient where it was like I liked it for a while and then I moved on to something else. But D&D is like ever since it's been a part of my life, it's been in my life. Like it's never been not a part of it. Just uh, once you get into it, it's everything. I think that has a lot, has a lot to do with like more of the collaborative experience and how the story will constantly change no matter like like how many same monsters or same races or so on and so forth happen. Like it's it's malleable enough that it keeps it fresh every time. At least that's kind of how to kind of how I view it. It's, uh, I, I agree. I mean, we like we watch movies, but mm-hmm. I'm pretty cl- sure we haven't seen every single iteration of movie that's that could ever be made like. You know, sometimes movies are redundant and derivative and like we are like, OK, this isn't so good. But there's we always go back to watching more movies because they do change it up. They do hit on new things that movies haven't hit on before. And I feel like d is very similar where it's like you can have an infinite amount of adventures. Some of them are going to be kind of boring and redundant, but some of them are going to like flip your whole world upside down without you realizing it. And you're going to be like, I this is the best campaign I've been in thus far because I've never had a game tell this story before. Exactly. You know? Mm-hmm. I completely agree. It, That's so good. <laughs> it's very similar. I mean, I always, when I explain it to people who don't know what D&D is, a lot of times I'll say like, okay, so, so I have two examples to give to you, right? First, do you remember when you were a kid and you used to play pretend with other kids, say like cops and robbers or something like that? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, one of the problems when you played as a kid is you would be like, bam, bam, I shot you. And then the other kid would be like, no, you didn't. I have a force field. It's like, well, no, you don't. Oh, those And bastards. like, there's no rules. <laughs> yeah, there's no, there's nothing to like, you know, you're just basically saying, yes, I did. No, you didn't. And it becomes frustrating. Mm-hmm. So... D&D takes that principle, but gives it a rule set. So now we know exactly what happened to who and everyone respects that. Mm -hmm. And we can tell a decent story that way. And then the second example I give is imagine there is a syndicated TV show, a series that you're watching and it releases weekly and it, you're fucking hooked. You're so hooked on it. And every time a new episode releases, you're just like, yeah. And some episodes are, you know, better than others. Some episodes are just crap. But all in all, the show has you hooked. Now, imagine your character in the show and you get mm-hmm. to help direct how the episode goes. That's like what D&D is. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Just generally with a fantasy theme, but like otherwise, it's the same. Mm-hmm. Ah, D and D's so good. Oh, I gotta sneeze. <sighs> uh, I'm making a face because I feel like I'm... now I'm yawning. <laughs> okay, the sneeze into a yawn. All right. No, that's a curse. Gone. Ah, uh, but um, let's let's kind of move to D&D proper. I, we talked a little bit about how you got into it and sort of like, you know, your sort of journey through art and fandoms and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, how long have you been playing D&D? Uh, about, let's see, uh, I want to say in total like four years going on five. Okay, so you started with fifth edition. Yes, I've, I've never played any other edition. 
I, I know everybody's okay. like, oh, this, this one's the best. This one's the best. I, I know 5e and I'm comfortable here. I, I'm baby. <laughs> Five, 5e is great. You, you don't need to go anywhere. Um, it, it is interesting to learn an, an, another system just to have a, a another way of looking at things and how things do it. Like I, I played mm-hmm. Pathfinder and Pathfinder, any character concept you could think of, you can make in Pathfinder. It is so customizable. It is, it is very in, like cool in that way. But it is also crunchy as fuck. Oh, you no. will spend hours pouring over feats, pouring over level up options, and all the different things. Like it, with that level of customization comes that level of complexity. Yeah. And so I love it, but also it is a I ca- I could never do like more than one game at a time. Like that's just too much. And I would I could never DM it. It's too much. Way too much. Oh no. <laughs> um, but it is fun and and. I, I, just to give you an idea of like the different kinds of systems out there, like D and D is is generally a more simple, like a streamlined system, mm-hmm. and it's super easy if you want to add your homebrew rules. Like they make it super easy to do that. So I, I think you're great where you're at. You don't need to you don't need to explore another system if you're not comfortable doing that. Nice. I do like to homebrew a lot of stuff, so this is comforting. <laughs> Yeah, I guess like what kind of games? I mean, have you just done like homebrew campaigns? Yeah, I've actually never played a module. Um, there's been a couple times where we've come close where it's like, hey, do you guys want to do Curse of Strahd or do you want to do? Uh... Fuck, I forgot what the Cthulhu one was. Uh... <laughs> um, Cthulhu one. The, you know, the one, the spooky one. Everybody dies. Uh Call of Cthulhu? Call of Cthulhu. <laughs> that's it. That, that's not even D&D. That's a different system altogether. Oh, well, it's been suggested in the past. My bad. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I've come close to certain things like that, but I've actually I consider it a privilege. Um, I've I've been privileged enough where my DMs have been super creative. They've been like, oh, I know this is D&D, but I want to try this or oh, my God, like I, I want to do a whole floating city campaign or I want this or I want that. So I've never really had to jump straight into the modules and it's it's fun just seeing my friends light up and talk about all their lore and dig for it. Oh, I'm I'm a sucker for digging for lore. My my DM can tell you that. <laughs> I dig everywhere and it's so fun. But yeah, that's, it's, it's that's kind of my experience. That's fair. That also makes you intimidating as a player because if the DM isn't prepped on all the lore, then they're like, uh, uh, they gotta make it up on the spot. But that's the funnest part. Like I've been in that position too with DMing, where it's like, oh, what's his character's name? Oh yeah, I wrote it somewhere. It tries to go to fantasy generator and like type really quietly so nobody knows I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's intimidating, but I think that's half the fun. Where you could kind of have a good laugh about people scrambling or or like, oh, it's somewhere. It's in my notes or, oh, uh, you asked about this question, but you technically didn't ask about this. So you don't technically know the big dads after you in this moment. It's it's fun. It's loose. Yeah, I, I've started with homebrew as well. And it definitely depends on uh, the dungeon master. <laughs> that is Super important because I've had dungeon masters who like didn't really put a lot of like effort into filling out the lore and they were mostly uh-huh. about the combat encounters and they wanted to just make fun combats. And so like that's mm. that's fine. Cool. You know, I guess and not really what I'm looking for 100 percent of the time. Like I, I do like having fun 
role play moments as well. But like, yeah, you know, there's not really a wrong way to play. You just got to find the group that resonates with you. Exactly. As long as you trust with your group, like you're totally fine. In that case, let's talk about characters because I've, I've been playing since like 2012, late 2012. And uh, I've made a lot of characters in the past 10 years. And there are definitely a few that I love more than others. I hate to say that I have favorite children, but I do. Uh, <laughs> so I, w- I would like to hear, like, what are the, some of the characters that you've played? Oh, man. Well, let, let's start with the man of the hour, because I can't abandon my boy. My favorite of all time is definitely Popper the Goblin Cleric. Uh, <laughs> not to yes. show my own series, but you know, he, he Just is for reference, uh, <laughs> is your discord avatar that character? Yeah, that's Popper. <laughs> yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. yeah. So everybody knows I'm talking on discord. That's who I'm talking to right now. Mm hmm. Uh, kind of a spoiler. That's, that's like Popper at a later date. We're not going to talk about that, but we won't talk about it. <laughs> Yeah, we won't talk about it. That's that's your tasty secret. Ooh, cool. Yeah, but um, oh my god, my beautiful middle aged man, he's so goddamn stinky. (laughs) 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 I okay. You want to know a fun story about Popper? Like in the beginning days. Sure. So, um. At the time, I was invited to join onto like a D and D podcast. It never, it never went into, went into anything. Like, don't look it up or anything. But they were already in like season two, and that friend group liked me so much that they were like, "Hey, we should sneak you into season two. You should make da 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 da." And I was like, "That sounds cool." So I was like, "Oh, I've never tried a cleric. Let me try and make a cleric." I was stuck on two ideas. There was Popper, but there was also a character named Kachik. Which she was, uh, she was a Kenku. Mm. And both polar opposites. Like Popper in general, he's a little feral man. Like he's always joking. He's always getting into some kind of trouble. It's great. Kachik is more, um, how do I say this? She's a lot more violently inquisitive, <laughs> let's say. Where, you know, she's, she's constantly digging for truth. She wants to know everything. She's a lot more studious. Mm-hmm. Um, she was obsessed with the idea of wanting to be human because she rejected like the more negative traits of what they say Kenku are. So I think in a way they were both very eccentric, but I was like, oh man, I could really come in hot as a character for this podcast. Like, do I pick Popper or do I pick Kachik? Because at the time, um, uh, well, I'll say it like the Misfits of Misfortune gang, they didn't start up yet. We weren't even in session zero. So I was like, Mm. who will I choose for each? So originally Popper was going to go there. And then I was like, no, this is too big of a podcast. Like I'll put Kachik here and then let me just have fun with Popper over in this corner. And then Kachik, I played for maybe like two sessions before everything just kind of like stopped because, you know, college. Mm -hmm. And then Popper ended up being the survivor my little punchy boy, my boy that's been through everything. And it's like, oh, <laughs> and I want to talk more about him, but it's so spoilery. And it's like, when am I going to get there? I have to draw it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's one of the, I I felt the same way with um, my wizard Ophelia. 
mm-hmm. because I made a cartoon series with her as a character and I wanted to talk a lot about what happened to her, but there's two reasons I can't. One, there's a series that has her in it. And then two, it's also the Curse of Strahd storyline. So, like, it's also spoilers for that. So it's like, if I just, you know, spill the beans here, then Mm -hmm. everybody's going to, anyone who's, like, in the middle of, like, playing. And I've noticed from editing the podcast episodes uh, recently almost every single episode has a spoiler for curse of Strahd, and it's bad and i need to stop talking about it but like that's that it's is sort of the danger it is hard not to gush about it. it's it's so much fun mm-hmm. but yeah ophelia is uh this is interesting what, what's your take on necromancy Oh, do you mean ethically or like, like I'm, as a I'm player? talking not just as a player, but I mean, like as a player mm-hmm. who plays characters, do you play necromancers? I might have one, but I haven't been able to play him yet. He's a little oh. gnome. <laughs> a little necromancer gnome? A, a gnome-cromancer? Mm-hmm. <laughs> a gnome-cromancer. <laughs> uh, tell me about this gnome-cromancer. Oh, it's been a minute. Let me get his name. I feel, you know, you know, when you, you have like six kids and then you forget, which is uh-huh. rich. <laughs> Let me see. Where is my boy? This is Kevin, he really- who you left home alone. Oh, no, Kevin. <laughs> he was originally going to be a warlock. That's why I got confused. But his name is uh, Valen Halfhorn. Valen Halfhorn. Yeah. Halfhorn. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the imagine there's like happened. a group of gnomes in the background going hoo, hoo, hoo. <laughs> <laughs> after he says his name half horn hoo, mm-hmm. hoo, hoo. yeah he he's a fun one like I don't think I'll ever use him in a, in a campaign I'm thinking about it but yeah he's he was designed as a warlock and then I was like oh it'd be cool if he was a necromancer and the idea the idea around, you know, like manipulating the dead and everything or, you know, somebody's always trying to get back their mom or blah, 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 blah. I don't think. OK, ethically, it's it's bad. Don't go try raising the dead. We don't fuck with demons and ghosts in this house. You don't do that. But, you know, in, in D&D, I think it's kind of cool. I think it's kind of cool when people are trying to come at it in a more. Mm, I guess researchy ways kind of the best way to put it because you know it's it's wizards. Wizards are constantly digging for that kind of stuff. They want to know more. They are the lord digging people. But when it comes to necromancy, it's like ooh, you could have so much fun. You could use it for good. You could use it for evil. You could you could have like this whole blanket of stuff, and you're never gonna know until you know specifically that character or their motivations. You know? Yeah, for sure. Like if. Yeah, like if I told you, like, hey, what if the half horns were all like that who 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 kind of energy? Like, what if, what if at one point they were all that, but they were ravaged by war? What if I told you he he was a part of that big community and he was like he was super happy in it. He used to be a happy person, then all of a sudden it fell apart because obviously, so like a certain kind of people came and took all his people. What do you do? Are you desperate? Are you smart enough to actually try and attempt something? Why is it specifically necromancy that you're turning to? Also, I like also, how did his fall from frat boy status, or does he embrace it? Does he go, 
it's time to do some hazing. And then it like he resurrects the his dead frat boy buddies to like <laughs> seek revenge. Exactly. It's it's so malleable. It's nice. <laughs> so I know I know people are not a big fan of necromancy, but it's like I think necromancy's cool. I grew up like my, my grandma owns a funeral home. I know the concept of death. I love I love playing with that. It's fun. <laughs> I agree. I, so I bring it up because I've tried different iterations of necromancers over the years. Mm-hmm. My my second character ever. Uh, my first character I ever made, I have made a video about. And then the character that replaced them was a necromancer in the Pathfinder first edition. Mm-hmm. And it, they were a cleric. And clerics in Pathfinder are able to channel negative energy to like use it offensively and in that world you could heal undead with negative energy so i could harm the living and heal the undead with my uh my cleric abilities and then there's the subclass called undead lord where you get instead of an animal companion you get a corpse companion like a free dude that just you don't have to pay anything to get you could just do a ritual and you always have at least one minion oh Um, hell yeah (laughs) One of the uh, player characters died because they turned against the party. Guess who became my new un- my new corpse companion? And they stuck with us for a long time because uh, it was a ranger with a really high dexterity. So I made a, a skeleton which upped their decks. So I ended up making this guy named Lindul the Necromancer. He looked like an Dude. evil Doctor Strange, and he had a, he wielded a <laughs> scythe as his weapon. Though he wasn't, his uh-huh. stats were really bad, and the campaign was a mess. But like he was power hungry and thought of himself. He was lawful evil for sure. Like he thought of himself as the sort of like doler of justice, even when it was like clearly no longer justice and just vengeance. Uh, Mm -hmm. Orcs had destroyed his hometown absolutely like they used to raid every summer and then one season they just fucking they were surging they were basically killing everybody he had been studying on on the dl uh necromancy from from somebody else and he used necromancy to raise the his fallen like you know uh, militiamen the villagers that had taken up arms to fight against these orcs to mm-hmm. fend them off and protect the town. And as a result, they banished him because he used fell magic, even though he saved their lives. So he's always been like this bitter dude. And he has this super, I'll just come out and say it. Uh, this is back in 2012, by the way. So like, I don't think I'd play this again, but he had a bit of a racist grudge against orcs because he's only known them to be enemies. And uh, there was that ne- he's, you know, I mean, I wanted to role play him unlearning that bias, but nobody ever played any half orcs or anything. So that was never like an opportunity presented. And then when we every time we went up against orcs, they were enemy characters. So I was like, this is just confirming his bias. <laughs> it's like not good. Um, Darn D&D racism. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I never really got to explore that. He also was seeking a way to bring back. He had like um, someone who got killed by the orcs was his like, you know, 
his high school there's no high school but like a high school sweetheart essentially this uh, other guy that lived in the village and like he always he so basically he was like all right fuck love fuck you know these notions of what's good and evil people don't know shit they don't understand the reality of the world you got to do what you can to survive so he was very much like kind of a, an asshole um but he wasn't so overtly evil that he was like he would make just anyone suffer for no reason. He just was selfish, essentially. Um, and when I got to Ophelia, and then now we're in fifth edition here, I was mm-hmm. like, well, I want to play another Necromancer, but I don't want to be as much of a dick as Lindul was. So I made um, Ophelia as a noble witch uh, from a family of like seven other siblings, like a huge noble family, and everybody specialized in a different school of magic and she got necromancy and so she has this like resentment towards her father who's like just a big prick uh who's all about his legacy and at the expense of his children and if you don't perform well then you're kind of the black sheep of the family he's just like he's a huge asshole um very similar to libdul in a way and (laughs) uh and she kind of rejects that she wanted to kind of make it on her own without the influence of her noble title or or any sort of like privileged position she kind of just wanted to gain her own sort of power especially because like they don't share spells between siblings because like there's like rivalries and stuff so like she literally Uh has to go out and find her own spell she can't just copy from someone's book or anything god no (laughs) yeah it's shitty um, and then she ends up in Barovia where the Curse of Strahd thing takes place. And that was like her her arc was essentially she is more academic. She wants to learn more about necromancy from both the divine and arcane perspectives and f- basically become like a thaumaturge, like someone who uses divine and arcane magic to do like necromancy in its like purest form. Essentially, in her mind, it shouldn't matter what the source of the magic is if you want, because everything should be uh, like reversible, reversibly engineered, like a divine spell, even though it's coming from like a god, there's no reason in her mind why you can't reverse engineer that to make an arcane variant, even if it was an upcast version. You know, it might Mm -hmm. not be as efficient as how like a god could do it, but there's she doesn't understand why uh, a person can't just resurrect the the dead you know mm-hmm. to her that doesn't make sense especially because there are arcane spells to contact gods and summon planar entities like clearly you can fuck with the divine using wizard powers so why can't you just bring someone back simple as that mm-hmm. and i wanted to do the uh, animate dead like she was a wizard so the necromancer wizard gets animate dead is a free spell and like your dead get empowered and stuff. And I really wanted to play that. And I think my DM was intimidated and he was like, he basically told me no, but he would give me something oh. else. And he gave me something else that was cool. I'll just say, it. I'll, I'll just say it for people. If anyone uh, is wondering if I'm uh, like where her trajectory goes, I'm going to spoil a big thing about Ophelia. If you don't like, if you don't want to hear it, skip a minute ahead. Um, but she ends up getting a a Frankenstein's monster instead. Oh, no way. Yeah. And and she got to build it herself 
throughout the game. It was so cool. It was so fun getting being able to build that. And uh, essentially, I had just full control over it, just like you would if like you built it normally in a game. Um, mm-hmm. it, but it, it fit the theme and it was like a compromise. I get one really powerful minion as opposed to a bunch of little minions that take up the initiative order and take up a lot of time. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I understand why my DM did that, but it was necromancer of a different sort, and I was very happy. And now, sorry, sorry for me to like blab about this. I just I <laughs> no, love necromancers, no, and I love fun. yeah, I love <laughs> being able to t- to tackle it from different angles uh, if I can. Mm-hmm. Recently, I'm playing someone who I think is probably a kindred spirit with. Uh, um, you said Popper is his name, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, his he's a uh, I actually have some art I'll share it in the discord so you can have a reference his name oh is God, yes, Zavid and Zavid is a uh, another cleric but he's in Pathfinder 2nd edition mm-hmm. and uh, he does he uses necromancy but he's not like dedicated to raising the dead necessarily like he it's like that's a thing he mm-hmm. does his god is Kabriri the god of ghouls but his whole deal is yeah here's here's some art I made of him uh, Ooh, that's a lad. He's a scummy little fetchling man. Uh, he uh, humans that um, live in the plane of shadows uh, become fetchlings over time, where their skin becomes washed out of. They become like washed out of color. Their eyes glow yellow, and then their limbs get really weird and stretchy, and they become almost like a shadow in their like flexibleness. And his whole deal is very like survivalist, like pragmatism. It's all about I just don't want to die. He's a coward. He's not like power hungry the way that like Lim Duel was. He's just like, uh, here's a zombie. Fight that. I'm going to run away. (laughs) (laughs) And And he has stuff that allows him. He's a lot more physically able where he can like he can't like fight martially very well but he can like skitter up walls and slip through like small cracks and stuff because of his like shadow body and like he's like a little uh almost like uh, a little pest you know like hard to hard to pin down and hard to kill for that reason which i think is cool a man after my own heart oh my god <laughs> he's also a healer unlike Lindul. he actually heals people and what he does is he like has this ability called undeath's blessing where i can go up to one of my allies who's hurt and I can cast this like once per like rest spell and mm-hmm. it, essentially they are treated as undead for the purposes of my negative energy. Then I use my negative energy to heal them. So it's like this foul necrotic energy stitches their wounds. And like it's like this really chilling sort of magic that like heals people. And it just they're like at full health, but they just feel like violated and wronged you know like why would you do that to me like you're, you're fine go back into the fights you know mm-hmm. <laughs> um, oh my god this oh uh, uh, this makes me so excited i'm sorry it's i'm glad i'm glad you're not bored <laughs> that would be that would make me feel bad oh no, oh and no, he has a horse mm-hmm. this is his Ooh. horse and his horse's bone name horse? is rot trot <gasps> bone horse bone horse yes let's go <laughs> it's a zombie horse yes and uh and I he's also got him. a little face spider familiar um named what did i name him i might have named him wisp i think wisp. yeah like a will-o-the-wisp 
I think that's what I named. I haven't I haven't used them in a couple sessions and I've already forgotten. Uh, <laughs> God, this sucks. You're making me want to do my stupid shadow campaign again. Oh, oh uh, I like I like necromancing at shadows. This is so cool. <laughs> I'm I'm glad I'm glad you, you you like the character. I've 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 always loved necromancy and I like the idea of it being it's not necessarily evil. It can be a lot of evil people use it um, because yeah, 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 yeah. there's a there's a propensity for that. But there's a lot of evil like evocationists out there like fireball kills more people than fucking zombies do. Uh, you know, I think per year. Yet we don't think of fireball as innately evil. Right. Like so, this sounds more and more like like the shark argument. You know, where everybody's like, oh, sharks kill less people than killer whales or some shit. And it's like, yeah. this is true. <laughs> I mean, it, it is true, though. So it's like, for me, I've always thought of like, I like playing the spin of a necromancer that isn't overtly evil, but uses these sort of unsavory means to like fight and survive and all that good stuff. Ah, but yes, uh I feel like when you're talking about Popper being a, a feral goblin man, I was like, that sounds like Zavid. And I'm like, I want to talk about Zavid, but since I already talked about Ophelia, <laughs> let's talk about necromancy. <laughs> that's that's valid. I think. Um, oh, my God. I just I blinked on the word. Give me a second. But <laughs> uh, Popper kind of like def let me understand how I make characters in general, if that makes sense. Because mm -hmm. because here's the thing. I'm not a very I'm not a devout person or anything. And I know a lot of people are like, oh, once you make a cleric, like, you know, you get a better understanding of religion or this or that. And or that that's what I've been told, at least. But even then, when I say Popper's a feral little goblin man, like I do mean that at his core, because he despite being a cleric, he's not really I, I wouldn't say he's the most devout. He's definitely like you'll see it later in the story. He's definitely very devoted to Cord. He loves he loves the idea of storms and everything. And he's definitely loves being a little zappy boy. But in general. Uh, what's something I could say that's not a spoiler? That's the trick, ain't it? <laughs> um, mm -hmm. I, oh, I, I don't consider this a spoiler. I could say this. Because of how late it was for him to learn about what Cord is or like the concept or even the gods in general. I like to think of Popper as like, yes, he's religious on one hand, but on the other hand, it's like, well, he could understand a lot more different concepts. Like sometimes in D and D when they're like, Hey, we don't, this section of the world doesn't believe in the gods, but we believe in this or that, or like, Oh, I don't, I've never really like seen a god, therefore I don't think it exists. I think he finds it valid on all on all sides, mm. mostly because he himself is a curious little boy. So he's like, "Oh man, like, okay, tell me what tell me what you mean." Like, fuck yeah, let's go. <laughs> and <laughs> and it's cool. Like, this will be a thing that happens super fast. Like, uh, spoilers for episode two if anybody hasn't seen that. But uh, one of the first. One of the first um, NPCs we meet is this this woman named Silithia, and he was so fast to make friends with her. Like literally, they were friends within five minutes. 
I can't, I shit you not. Everybody's like, oh, you know, like it's, it's so hard to warm up. But at the time I was trying to warm up my other friends. So I was like, okay, they're not going to want to talk to the creepy person in the corner. I'll at least go and make an attempt to do that immediately. Friends, Hmm. Popper from here on out. He's a friend monster. He, (laughs) I don't know what it is with him because everybody's like, oh, you know, the clerics got to pass out the pamphlets or they got to, you know, talk nonstop about their God. He wants to make friends basically everywhere he goes. And for some reason, He's really good at it. He should not be as good at making friends as he is. But that's his thing. That's his weird thing that he got from, like, episode one. And now we have, like, oh, what is it? Like, let's say, like, 100 plus PCs. I mean, NPCs. And he's friends with practically all of them. (laughs) Good or bad, it doesn't matter. He just, he flip-flops. And I'm, and I'm bringing it up because, like, you know, friends are like, hey, you know, maybe he should lean a little bit more towards the more religious stuff. Maybe he should calm down. And it's like, no, that's just that's just not him. He is he is somebody that like he's the last person that you would think would go to. <laughs> let's say Chord Club. I almost said Jesus Club. but <laughs> he's, he's not somebody you would expect to be as devout as he is, but he's still he believes more so in I, I like to think of it as like the unity of cord you know how he's athleticism he's showing off he's all this power but it's power within reason it's power within like okay i myself can be powerful do i need other people is it okay to ask for help from other people so i think he leans more into that category and it is very fun this is why popper's my favorite i uh, <laughs> I can tell. I can tell. Uh, I I do think that that's interesting. Maybe it's because he's just like himself. Like, mm-hmm. I think uh, there's a lot. There's a lot to him. You know, I think there's a lot of layers there. And I think he has a good. Maybe he has. Again, I actually haven't seen this, so I'm just kind of maybe taking a stab at it. You can tell me if I'm right or wrong here. But maybe uh-huh. it's because he sort of like makes himself vulnerable to people right out the gate and it kind of it's a bit puts it takes them off guard but because he's clearly lived a a life like he's not like naive so him doing Mm -hmm. that maybe just feels meaningful to people like you know the fact Uh that he seems to have lived a, a life of hardships and yet he's still making himself vulnerable for someone who's like kind of a stranger it's like that's that can leave a really strong impression if if they if he seemed more silly mm-hmm. and more like you know like if he was a pampered goblin okay i think that would it would it would have less weight for him opening up because like well what do you know you know what i mean mm-hmm. which i i won't lie he's a little bit stupid at times he's definitely a very silly guy but when he can have those connections i i do see where you're coming from and yeah i I'd like to think they hit a little bit harder because it's like, yeah, what do you know? And then, bam, he hits you with his high wisdom and you're like, oh, oh, wait, wait, hold on. Back up, back up. Hold on. <laughs> uh, I am uh, I'm trying to find it now because now that I've talked about it, I wanted to find art uh, mm-hmm. for my. My, my 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 characters and uh i had this one cool little thing that i made 
that I wanted to share, and I can't find it. Oh, no. I'm a little bummed out. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, well, I did find I did find Limdul. So here's our our grumpy necromancer. Ooh, show me that. Ooh, yeah. Ooh, yeah. He's mad. He's a mad guy. He should He's a be mad, mad lad. You could say. I'd be mad too uh, if I was I... smoking twenty four seven. Yeah, he's got like black, uh, you know, negative energy tendrils and all that cool stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then. Uh, yes. And then I re I had redesigned Ophelia for future episodes of the peace guild. So I was like trying to, cause I got tired. I, I, have you gone through like a stylistic shift where you changed how you did eyes or how you did noses or something? Cause you're like, this isn't working anymore. And I, I like this new style better. Constantly. Yeah. Yeah. Same here. Uh, <laughs> I uh, I had that with Ophelia recently, and I was like, I kind of really want... Would it be an old? Maybe that's where it is. <gasps> it is! Okay. And I, ha- I have a little gif. Ooh, I want to see, I want to see, I want to see. I found it. So this is like them facing... This is when I... Before I had made Zavid, so it was just them. Ooh. Ooh, and, I love her. Uh, and then here's I had a model sheet for her because I redid her eyes. I wanted to actually give her like w- the whites of her eyes because mm-hmm. the way that I did the stuff with just the little the little like vertical pupils and then no whites. Oh, yeah. Like, the little beads. It's, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's simple. That works for a simple art style. But I get so into it like it's too much. Mm-hmm. I get way too detailed you know what i mean oh valid to add and like if i'm gonna go that detailed i might as well have just regular cartoon eyes and not these these little beady dots Mm -hmm. but uh yeah anyway anyway i'm not i'm done i'm done gushing over my character um (laughs) (laughs) buddy this is a podcast i think we're supposed to gush we are supposed to gush and you've, you've you've also gotten to i'm glad you got to talk about popper some more because uh, I think people who uh, your videos, by the way, are like doing really well, especially the most recent one. Uh, um, I'm very small. Thank so you. I think <laughs> I think that like whoever, if anyone who's seen your stuff and then has been directed to this episode of the podcast, they're probably interested. They probably really want to know mm-hmm. about, uh, you know, Popper and sort of his whole deal. Uh Oh, I'm so excited to talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm glad. Let's let's do one more transition. This is gonna be our last one. Oh, I would okay. like to hear a story from you. And I, I heard that you have one already ready to go. <laughs> I might. Um Okay. So to kind of preface this, uh you remember when I told you about the club? The the D and yes, club in D three three? Yeah, D three. Um, hopefully it's still running now that I think about it. No, we're not going to get into that thought trade. But, um, at the time, like on my last year of college, basically, they were like, Hey, uh, you're like, you're really cool. You do all these cool, fun voices. Like, have you ever considered DMing? And I was like, Oh, I've always wanted to, but I don't know the book that well. So this wasn't actually the campaign, but basically I, I ran like a mini campaign with them. And there was a player in there that was so, like, abrasive and rude. 
that basically I never got to finish it. And then for a while, I didn't DM for the longest time. Oh, no. Yeah. And, you know, that's hard because I do think about stuff like uh, Joe Cat's DM video where it's like, oh, you can't Mm -hmm. get so mad at your players that, like, you basically give up and you tell them no. And and it's like, I, I do understand that. But it was also a position where it's like they were constantly, like, kind of berating me in the middle of games. And then, like stopping That's narratives no yeah stopping narratives because they wanted to fight so bad so they'd shoot something in the middle of talking and it was like okay it's not my fault you kind of brushed over all the encounters like you know so I, i've kind of learned to accept that but at the time it was really hard to break out of that mentality mm-hmm. and and i want to say for my main group like uh, we we canceled for some reason like we, we're, we're pretty consistent we usually play like every saturday but for some reason that that upcoming week um we couldn't play the main campaign. And I want to say one of the players was like, Hey, you have some DMing experience. Like, why don't you try and make a one shot? And it scared me so bad. (laughs) I was like, Oh no, I can't do it. Like, and and, you know, they, they push and they've been my friends forever. So they're like, okay, okay, let's do it. I'll, I'll give it my best shot. So (laughs) how do I explain this? Um, the one shot was basically set like 10 years before our campaign starts. Same world, same everything. I introduced mm-hmm. a few characters here and there. And um, I basically made them go into like this big or not big, this tiny snow settlement, like way up north. Mm-hmm. So their whole premise was like, OK, we were called in by this one dude who was just looking around a tavern. He's freaking out. And he needed like a few volunteers to go help them because these kids started going missing. Like there's about 10 kids that went missing. And one of his friends sends like an owl out and it's desperate. And even though she was just there, like she's already gone. So it's like, okay, I need you guys to basically go up there. So I got the DM, uh, which he, he was playing a character, a goblin actually named bash. And she was like a little barbarian uh ashes or sorry vasira's character um or vasira's player was playing a character named fallon who was a bard and then flea's character was like she was half drow half uh asimar her name was yuna she was like a warlock so that's that's our cast right Mm -hmm. and it's so weird to think about because it's like i get i get giddy talking about it it was just like a regular session for us where you know like Someone's acting feral, so my my NPC that's that's a druid. We'll call her um, we'll call her Artie. Um, like, oh, my character gets low to look at yours like an animal. Oh yeah, well she's feral too. She's gonna get real low and look at you in the eye. Or like, there's this part where I was like, okay, um, under all the houses is a latch, and there's a bunch of little scratch marks. Nobody knows where they're coming from. And I listened back, and now I realize it was me. But I thought one of the players was like, oh, it clearly has to be a raccoon. And I was like, that's so stupid. Why would you say a raccoon? And then I realized it was me. And I was like, oh, but <laughs> but, you know, they're they're going around the town. They're trying to question people and they're all like, you know, sobbing and sad. And the one hint that they got is that uh, or the few hints that they got is that there's something really hairy. It's possibly blue. There's scratch marks all in, underneath the houses. And they went towards the mountains where you could see uh, they're kind of like it's it's basically like the northern lights, but they called it the fire flight. 
Like that was their big thing in the town where you could famously mm. see the Fireflight. So they're like, okay, it's at the base of this mountain. Let's go ahead and go there. And it, it was actually really cool. One of them had like a super high perception, but it wasn't high enough to track um, the certain bads that were following them through the snow. Little glimpses here and there of something giant and shadowy, but uh, nothing ever too, you know, clear. And they managed to find out like, hey, this big cavern they were talking about, it's actually run by goblins. And it's like, uh oh, what's going on? So they went deeper and I had like this whole system because I couldn't decide what monsters I wanted. Like I was like, oh, these skull monsters are cool or these specific cave dwellers are really cool. So I basically made a roll for whatever direction they went in. And the one room they managed to land in was <laughs> the one I was hoping for the most, which was these twin white dragon babies. Like they were in this weird ice nursery and everything, and they were oh. hidden in all these blankets. And thank God we had a goblin because I forgot ahead of time. And because basically uh, they were raised by the actual goblins of the mountain and they only spoke goblin. So, <laughs> oh, I see. Oh, uh, that's so interesting. OK, <laughs> uh-huh. so so Bash is there and, you know, she's like this rough, tough teenager and she's trying to reason with these actual children and they're just like, they're dunking on her left and right. They're like, ah, you don't even look old enough to be here. Like, ah, oh, my mom's older than you. Like, sh- I don't got to listen to you kind of thing. And she's just losing her mind. She's so angry. Yeah, especially because, like, dragons are super smart, but white dragons are the dumbest of all the chromatic dragons. They're so it so makes sense stupid. that they'd be obnoxious, like, preteen type behavior. They were. <laughs> oh, my God. Do I remember their names? Hold on. It might have been Banana and Peel. It's something it's something really stupid. You've got to be fucking kidding me. No, no, no. It was, <laughs> it was something rhymy like that. I swear to God. Uh, what is it? What is it? What is it? it uh, where are my baby? Yeah, it was Banana and Peel. <laughs> <laughs> I want to say the boy was Banana and the girl was Peel. But <laughs> no, no, the girl was Banana and the boy was Peel. That's what it was. And they're, you know, they're trying to, they're trying to reason with them. And basically Bash played like babysitter so well and for so long that she was eventually able to convince them to like, hey, can you show us where all the human kids are? And they're like, oh yeah, sure, our mom's keeping them. So they let him like through, like past all of the encounters that I had, which, yeah, that's awesome. And they managed (laughs) to get there and their big thing was that, um, they find all the kids kind of huddled up together. And of course, there's there's these uh, blue goblins there. But mm-hmm. the kids aren't harmed. So the players are like, OK, what the fuck? Why are you stealing kids? Why are you this? Why are you that? What, what's going on here? And the whole premise was that the goblins were actually protecting the children. At the time, uh, I can't really explain why, because that's, that's a little bit of a spoiler. But basically, the storms around their settlement are getting really bad, right? And there's mm-hmm. Paladin Order that's that's like further south. But basically, that's their only help. And whenever they, they kind of reach out to them, they never really got a response back, no matter how severe the situation was. Oof. Yeah, it was, it was pretty bad. Because, you know, like, they're a small settlement. They can't do shit. So the one time the Paladin Order actually reaches out, it's like, it's to tell them, hey, the storms are getting too bad. 
we don't have a place for you to stay, but you need to get out and find a place to live. And it's like, this is our only place. Like most of us don't even have enough money to leave. Like, what are you talking about? So around that time, people started leaving, obviously. But the main residents that lost all these kids, they stayed. And that was about like a month ago. But all of a sudden, all these children started disappearing. And the goblins turn around and they're like, hold on. We're trying to protect the children from what's in town. We're trying to protect them because their parents are doing something really bad. And, you know, the players are like, what the fuck? So they're turning to Artemis, who who is the last person to lose your child. And they're like, hey, like, what what the fuck? Like, are you sacrificing kids? Are you this? Are you that? What are you doing? And she's like, no, 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 no. It's not it's nothing like that. I don't know what what the hell they're talking about. And then we see the big bad. And earlier they met her. I, did, I brushed over it because, you know, easy to brush over. But <laughs> yeah, when she first came into the town, she was taken in by this farmer named Manua. And she's kind of like the town ringleader in a way. You know, she's a tough farmer. She she doesn't trust the paladin order. She's convinced everybody like, hey, they're never going to come. So, you know, obviously they follow along with that. She's a strong force. She shows up with specifically a man that was missing around the time of the children. Like people assume that he left town, but he wasn't. And he's, he's bleeding out. And they're like, uh, what's going on here? So turns out she is actually a werebear. And, oh, okay. mm-hmm, and her thing was, this was like a couple years ago or something. One of the last times they reached out, um, there was actually a werebear attack. Like, I know they're, they're lawful, whatever. I forgot. <laughs> they're generally not evil, yeah. They're, they're generally not evil. But at the, time, um, at the time of the incident, basically, these werebears came, they lost control, and oh, no. they wiped out a bunch of people, including her family. She was one of the last survivors, so, you know, you live with the curse, right? Ugh. So her oh, thing that sucks. <laughs> mm-hmm, so her thing in the end was they're never going to come for us. We're the only people we have left. So while they were rebuilding the settlement and while this happened, that's when she finally snapped and she was like, "You know what? I'm going to protect them the only way I can. I am a werebear that has a special amulet. I know how to control myself. I'm basically going to take all the kids, transform them, and then basically train them to be protectors and eventually get their families. That way we're all just werebears protecting each other. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But that you makes know, sense. That tracks. It's like logical and everything. Mm-hmm. And, you know, everybody's like, dude, you're fucking crazy. Why would you do that? And she's like, what other option is there? I'm not going to stop. There's no way you're going to stop me. Let's go. And she throws the man onto the floor right as he's starting to transform she transformed herself, and there's this huge bloody battle between all the players and these bears. And, oh, it was, it was the coolest thing ever. And you gotta understand, I'm, I'm used to playing cleric. Like, it's not necessarily like, oh, there's no translation of, oh, a different class, because I had to play, obviously, the werebears and the, and the druid and everything. Like, that's not what it is. I've learned to be a very supportive person. So in the middle of this, it's a super exciting fight. They're all going back and forth. Everybody's doing this thing. 
and Mona was, Mona was winning, right? So at one point mm-hmm. they they managed to get get ahead of her, and they they pin they pin the other bear. They managed to get her into a corner, and <laughs> I got called out basically because I got so excited that my friends were doing a good job that I was like, "Yeah, keep going, you're almost there!" Like what? <laughs> and they're like, "You're the bad guy, though," and I'm like but you're doing such a good job. And we had like 20 minutes where we were just laughing over that. (laughs) And it was was such a freeing moment because it was just like, I went from a campaign, like a mini campaign that started so good and ended in such trash fire. that I I never even told anybody it was canceled. I just, I just kind of dipped. I feel bad about that. Mm. But in general, it was like, it was such a nice freeing moment of like, oh my God, I can tell a good story. I can be a good DM. I can do this and that. That it's just, it, it was overwhelming. So I was cheering for him up until the end when they actually, well, I might animate this one day, but it's okay. We can talk about this. Uh, <laughs> they, <laughs> they managed to decapitate her. Uh, the other guy, he wasn't necessarily like, because he, I have this theory with, with werewolves and were people like Andros, that's what it is. That like when yeah, they, there you go. <laughs> yeah, when when they first transform, that it's more animalistic. It's not necessarily them maliciously trying to kill you, it's more so an animal acting in fear. So they because of that, Bash was like, Oh shit. And she manages to knock him out. The bad thing is Bash actually got cursed in the middle of all this. So she's kind of a werebear too. She's trying to fight it all off. And, you know, being a good DM, you try not to like kick over some dirt and go, hey, look, there's some convenient money there. You should grab it kind of thing. So they're freaking right. out. They don't know about this amulet that Manua has. And they're like, what are we going to do? Oh my God, what are we going to do? And I'm just sitting there and I'm like, I can't be a bad person and tell them to search the bodies that's holding their hands. So my thing was like, I don't know. I think you guys need to talk this out yourselves. And they were just like, oh, and they were panicking so bad that as a DM, I had to step in and be like, okay, um, this is my Artemis voice. Uh, Bash, we're going to take this very slow. You're just come with me outside. We will figure it out from there. And I was like, I should search the body. And I didn't because, you know, bad person. (laughs) So here I am trying to lead her out as she's like, half transforming and thank fuck thank fuck the warlock was there because she was sworn to like i think it was like a kieran or something but basically she's like i want to reach out i want to see if he could cure the curse and i'm like yes let's go let's go so she managed she manages to roll right she manages to get to convince her her little patron to like hey uncurse my friend and he does. He manages to sap out the curse right before it gets into full effect. And it's like, <gasps> wow. Yeah. So that was a trip. Um, so all the goblins, all the kids are safe. They manage to keep them safe during the whole fight and everybody goes outside. And as they do, the storm finally clears and you just look up and you see basically the fireflight where it's all this red and orange and yellow just dancing through the sky. and. For a minute, everything feels okay. And then you hear like this really distant, almost growling sound that echoes through the mountains. 
And the note I left him with was, you don't really know if it's, you know, the howl of the storm or possibly distant werebears. But for this, just for this one moment, you feel at least a little bit at peace before you go. It's like, ah, ah. (laughs) Nice. That's a very beautiful story. And you put a lot of like thought and care into like constructing that plot line for them. That's great you i was under a lot of pressure because obviously it's it's my dm's uh it's my dm's world i've never had to be in a position where i collaborate with somebody where it's like uh how much can i actually ask you so i could build this other part of the world but it was right yeah but yeah this is this is a campaign and people that i've gushed about for literal years so it's i think it was a little bit easier to get passionate about and really do my research and really attempt to make something fun for them and just the the way they lit up and the way they were just cheering at the end and they, I, there was even this thing where we didn't we never played music for for our campaigns but i was always never like, never that that was a thing for us because like we don't play on roll 20 we just played over a voice call on discord mm-hmm. so um so but you never th- had like rhythm bot or any of those types of things in your servers? No, I I was the person that started that actually because in D three it, oh. it was never a thing, and that was a thing that I picked up from D three because I was like, oh, I I hate just sitting there in in silence. So during D three, I used to look up all these playlists and get together like special stuff for it. So I was like, oh, nice. I'm gonna do the exact same same thing for this one shot, and they loved it so much that from that then on our dm started linking playlists like i do and going like okay play this now do this do that and it's like it it is so nice to have music it is so nice to have music and to know like hey i started that trend that was my cool thing it is music adds so much to a game i think Mm -hmm. uh Let's so so I know I know I wanted to end off on a story. But I, I just want to go on a small diatribe first before we, we close out this podcast about music and in D and D. Just like mm-hmm. I myself have always played music for D and D. I had a portable speaker and a fucking Zune back when I was playing Pathfinder, just so I could make my own playlist. All my playlists on the uh, like Zune software was mm-hmm. just like traveling during the day, traveling during the night, tense moments, battle music, like stuff like that. Yeah. Just um, and I would curate endlessly. I would spend hours and hours and I still do. I curate music for D&D games because in my opinion, you really can't play D&D without having some music like. Mm hmm. You can, you can. Let me be, let me be clear, people. Like, yes, you can play D and D. By all technicalities, you can. I did that for like two years. <laughs> yes, it's just kind of not as good. Um, in my opinion, it is not as good as having music because that's one of the things. Remember, like I, I described D and D like it's a a show. What's a show without music? Mm-hmm. What's an adventure without a soundtrack? You know, like you got, you got to have something. A soundtrack, some ambient sound, something. Yeah, yeah. And I know not everybody prefers that. And that's cool. But like, I always feel like if you can cue it up, especially if like the DM knows about certain events at certain moments and they kind of like DJ the music to change for those moments, you can make some really powerful moments. <laughs> In that campaign, I never finished there. I... 
like this this definitely goes with it there is nothing more magical than when you're playing really like spooky piano music and then out of nowhere you you just stop the music and say the music stops and you look out at the sea of eyes and they all look terrified there is there is nothing like that one moment when you (laughs) finally let it go silent and they're just like what do you mean Oh yeah, mm, in delicious. person D and I miss just for that reason. Just seeing people's faces, Ugh. I miss it so much. I used to wave around my arms so much. I'm used to like actually scrunching up my body and getting low when I do weird shit. Like I'm a very active person. <laughs> uh, emotive, you could emotive. say. Emotive, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, very similarly here. Um, but I'm gonna have to end us here because we are starting to reach our time so for all of the people out there who have listened to us talk about my little pony and (laughs) uh feral goblin people and necromancy who didn't know who you were could you once again tell people who you are and how they can find you oh so hi i'm zania you could call me zaninator i'm I'm Zaninated everywhere, so you can find me on Twitter, Tumblr still, uh, definitely YouTube. YouTube's the biggest one. DeviantArt, uh, did I say Instagram? Instagram. I don't think you did, but Instagram mm-hmm. too. Instagram too. I kind of jump around and post any anything wherever I want, but um, definitely if you want to try out the series, go to my YouTube, check out Zaninator. I swear it's going to get fun. <laughs> There's only two episodes, but, you know, I'm I'm closing out a book deal and everything. So episode three should be worked on soon. And yeah. Hell yeah. Go check out Zanianator. Check out their YouTube channel. Check out their other handles. I'll have it all in the description. Thank you for being on the show, Zania. Thank you for having me. This was so fun. 